Uh, last week we really only got through a couple passages because there was just so much theological depth there that I didn't want to leave anything on the table. A um, couple things to remind you. One is uh, all of our sermons are available on YouTube now. Uh, you just look up Evangel Heights, you can watch the video of them. Uh, today's service will be on there by tomorrow. It's a pretty fast turnaround. Um, you can see clips on social media. Uh, you can, how many of you have seen some clips on social media, different things that we can put down? Please feel free to share those things. I mean, let people get an idea of what it's like to come and to be here with us and to worship among us. Uh, more of God's love to us. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 11 to 13. Now, God's love comes out in lots of ways, shapes, and forms. He says, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't sit, I never did as a kid sit at home and get excited about the thought of being rebuked or disciplined by my dad. Anybody, anybody with me on that one? It just wasn't high on my list, you know, because, and then dad did say the old saying, like, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. You know, that, that, that's just not happening. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves. You see, we discipline our kids because we love them and we don't want them to get hurt. And the truth of the matter is, whether we want to admit it or not, if we don't discipline somebody, it's because we're not invested in their lives. You can't say to a brother or a sister in the Lord, I love you, I care about you, and you see what they're doing and you don't discipline them in love at all, you just let it go. That's not love. That's watching them go down the drain. And so when we look at this, this proverb on love, he says, as a father, as a, as, a, as a father, the son he delights in, blessed are those who find wisdom and who gain understanding. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves. Inside of that relationship, some of the best moments you will ever have, believe it or not, will come out of moments of discipline. Because there's a closeness that then comes in after the fact. There are times that the greatest act of love that God can give in a situation is discipline or a rebuke. We live in an hour when people can't handle being told they're wrong. I'm telling you, it's the, it's the truth. You can't say to people now, you're wrong. Because they'll find a way to tell you about 50 different ways why you're wrong. And then it becomes a, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. So we want to talk here now for a minute more about more love than hate. Now in our world right now, it's not hard to you know, gauge the level of hate that's out there. In Matthew chapter 5, it says, You have heard it was said, love your neighbor, hate your enemies. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now, he said, you've heard it was said, love your neighbor. Why would it be love your neighbor? Because you're familiar with your neighbor, you know your neighbor, you've waved at them out the window, you, you know, share a cup of tea with them, you've been there with them. That's, that's not, that's easy. That's easy to do. 
Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now, the word enemies is strong, but enemies really is defined as anybody that opposes you in Christ. So anybody that opposes you in Christ is an enemy that you need to love. And it's a big concern, I believe, happening now because the church right now has gotten sucked into everything that's happening in our culture and the church itself is angry now and is justifying its anger where there's no justification for it. Think about it. Go into the book of Romans, it talks about authority. It says all authority is ordained by God. Luke chapter 6, verse 31. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is it to you? Even sinners do that. In other words, they're using the analogy here like good people love good people and bad people don't like bad people. So you can't use the scale here of, well, I love those who love me. No, as Christians, the standard of love has got to be higher. We've got to love people that are unlovable. Outside of your family, who do you love? Who have you embraced? Who have you welcomed into your home? Who have you said, you're one of us? Because friends, the reality here, if you love those who love you, like, that's easy. That's easy to do because they already have a relationship. And you do good to those who are good to you. What credit is it for you? Even sinners do that. Jesus is talking about the standard of loving the unlovable, of doing for those who do not do to you. He's telling us to do more. And if we want to win the loss, we want to win our community, friends, we got to love people who didn't ask for it, who didn't say, I want to be loved. We've got to reach into their world and love them. More love is the hard choice. Matthew chapter 5, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on, on the evil and on the good, and he sends the rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. The word righteous here and unrighteous means people who are in right standing or position with God. So whether you're in the right position with God, you're going to get wet. If you're not in the right place with God, you're going to get wet. And you're going, well, why is that? That's not fair. Sure it is, because you're being watched. You're a witness. People are looking at how you handle it. If you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So the first part talks about the analogy of the sun, the rain, it falls on us all, and people are watching. Whether you want to hear this or not, you're being watched. In your life, you're coming and you're going, you're rising and you're sitting, you're being judged. I'm being judged. I've been judged a lot in my years of ministry. Some of it was valid, some of it was complete hooey. But at the end of the day, 
end of the day, your concern, my concern, has to be focused on this issue right here of doing what our Father wants us to do. To love God more than all. Matthew chapter 10, verse 37. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. I don't know how much clearer this gets. The first time I read this, I was so conflicted. Anybody with me on this one? You know, like, especially when you have kids. You're just like, you know what, like, God has to understand I love my kids. And I wrestled with this verse for a long time. I actually almost stopped going to church because of this verse. Because I couldn't get it figured out to where I love God more than ever. I didn't know what scenario that works. Until God began to show me that if I loved him first, I could love them more. If I loved him first, I could love them more completely. If I loved him first, I could love them more pure with no strings attached. If I loved him first, I could love him as he wanted me to love him. And it says here to be perfect. That's a challenge. To love God in the agape. That's God's love. The love God in the agape. The love he responds to. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Now friends, I, I didn't write this. But it is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And I'm asking you this morning, what is your cross? What is your, what is your journey? What is it that God is asking you to do? I can tell you this, it's more than just going to church on Sunday. It's, it's more than that. God wants you to have a journey with Him. Make no mistake. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. It's a powerful command with massive repercussions. Now some of you are going, well, I, I, can't, I can't love my neighbor as myself because I hate myself. Self-hatred is also a form of self-obsession. Love your neighbor as yourself. Only you know whether you are loving your neighbor as yourself. Only you know. And who is your neighbor? Your neighbor is anyone that God puts in your path. Mark chapter 12, well, the teacher said, the man replied, you are right in saying that God is the one and there is no one other than him. To love him with all of our heart, with all of our understanding, with all of our strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. So here's a good one. In church, we talk about the tithe and the offering, and you've heard me talk about it. Here's the truth. In God's eyes, loving him is more important with all of your mind, with all of your strength, with all of your understanding, it's more important than your tithe and your offerings. Now imagine what it would be like if you did love him with all those things in place, and then you walked in with your tithe and your offerings. How powerful is that combination that become? To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength. To love your neighbor as yourself. Philippians chapter 1, verse 8. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that, you, that, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge 
and in depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. The word, when he says here that your love may abound, now we're in a whole new territory with this issue of more love. It's literally talking about the love that radiates from you, just, I mean, it abounds. It's aggressive. It reaches out to people. I haven't seen that abounding love in the church in a while. Not just ours, but the church. People have their guard up. Nobody wants to get hurt. Friends, how many know relationships mean vulnerability? Come on. And that means you might get stung. The word love appears 310 times in the New King James Bible. 348 times in the New American Standard Bible. 551 times in the New International Version. 538 times in the New Revised Standard Version. The extremely varied number of usages of the word love are due in part to how they're translated. Some of the versions of the Bible, such as the New International Version and the New, Re New Revised Standard Bible, are written for widespread readability, in other words, simplicity. And love may have been replaced with other words in these versions because the exact translations may be either archaic terms or other words few people would understand. There's eros, agape, phileo. And eros is erotic, phileo is friendship love, and agape is that all consuming. God. And I believe as a church, we need to live in the agape. We need to practice the phileo. Because we need to be walking in friendship love. But love has to be the center of all that we do. But just like Paul said, you don't have love. None of it matters. So my hope, my goal in doing this